Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Street Text, where you can run Facebook ads that actually work. They're ready to go Facebook ads that include landing pages, text message assistance through AI, drip emails, capture forms, and best practices. Join Street Text at streettext.com. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Lab Coat Agents Podcast. And I'm going to start this podcast with a quote from the great Warren Buffett. If poor people would just do what rich people do, they wouldn't be poor anymore. And I'm not going to take, obviously, I already mentioned that it's a Warren Buffett quote that was shared by the gentleman that we're going to be interviewing today. Uh, so obviously, we're going to be talking about how to manage your money. And I think now more than ever is, an, is, is the perfect opportunity for you to get your finances together, us in real estate, knowing that there's uncertain times, knowing there's going to be uncertain commissions. We need to be prepared for when this happens again. Maybe not coronavirus, but something similar, right? And so today, we are going to bring on a money expert. He is the co-founder and CEO of the Flipout Academy founder of The Money School, and he has a goal of becoming America's number one money mentor. That's a big aspiration there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Chris Noggle. Did I get that right, by the way? You got it. You nailed it, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Glad to have you. So I'm selfishly excited to interview you because you know what? (laughs) Anytime I can gain some nuggets on stocking away some cash or making my money make money, I'm excited to learn more. So before we get into that, the meat and potatoes, uh, let's assume our audience doesn't know who you are. So let's talk about who you are, where you come from, where you where you come up in business, how you got into doing what you're doing now. Sure, I'll just give you the the abbreviated. But it started, you know, I was born into a lower lower middle class family. Dad was an alcoholic. Mom had to raise me by herself. It was a a huge struggle for her. And and I know that's not the norm for you know everybody, but that's just how I grew up. And because of that, I was always forced to go out and have to hustle and do things to, to get you know, what I wanted. And, and just like all of you, I wanted more. I always wanted more. And I was willing to go out and do whatever it took to get more. So my youngest aspiration was I wanted to be a pro snowboarder. Now, I come from Buffalo, New York, small little town in Buffalo, New York. And there isn't mountains in Buffalo. Okay, It's cold, lots of snow, but no mountains. And that was my dream. And I'll never forget how many people told me that that could never happen. You can never do this. You live in the wrong place. Like it's a stupid idea. But you know what? Every time somebody told me I couldn't do something, it fueled that inner desire to go out there and prove them wrong. And that's exactly what I did. I became a professional snowboarder. And you know, that was just one of the things that I did. So in my early years, I got a job working at a restaurant and that restaurant was my first big boy job. And it was it was a, a learning experience because I learned how badly that I could get degraded, how badly I could be brought down to depression levels. And I'll never forget the day I quit that job. I went in and I quit trading hours for dollars and I came home thinking my mom was going to be mad at me, but she wasn't. She literally said, okay, well, if that's how they made you feel, then that's not what you want. I said, but mom, I want to start a clothing line in the basement. Can I do that? That was my first business, 16 years old. It's called Fat Clothing Company, P-H-A-T. And that clothing line is where it all began. It's where I became an entrepreneur and I never went back. Fast forward to 2004. I'd accomplished two major goals by this point in my life. 
Pro Snowboarder is one of them. Second one, I had founded and co-founded a chain of skateboard snowboard shops called Fat Man Board Shops. Now, this is in 1994 when I founded them, but by 2004, I was rocking and rolling with them. And by that point, I hit my first recession. Okay, dot com, uh, you know, crash hit me, and as a re- as a retailer, I my business took a hit. So I had to go out and I had to figure out how to make it work. And I was always fascinated with money, just kind of like what you mentioned. I never had it, so I was always fascinated with it. Wall Street, the movie with Michael Douglas, was the one that changed it. And I remember I dove in and I wanted to be a stockbroker. I wanted to be a financial advisor. In two thousand four is when that journey began. I became an advisor got all the licenses, all the certifications. I rose to the top. I was literally, by 2008, I was crushing it, making a ton of money. I'd flipped a couple houses because I watched the show and I was like, why not flip a house? Sure. So that's when I got into real estate was in 2006. And up till 2008, I really thought that the gravy train was never going to end. So I got my next big dream and that dream was to buy a dilapidated building two buildings down from my main retail shop, my main fat man store. And I was going to convert that dilapidated paint shop into a three unit strip mall. I borrowed money from some, some people I shouldn't have borrowed money from. Let's just put it that way. I call them knuckles. And he gave me the money and I began the project. You all know where I'm going with this. This is 2008. There was a little thing called the great recession and that great recession brought me to my knees. Now, let me ask all of you, How many times in your lives have you made a decision in your life that you thought was going to go one way and then it goes the complete opposite direction? Well, I literally got so bad. I mean, my my financial advisory business screeched to a halt. My retail stores dropped 30% overnight. Like I didn't know what to do and I got one payment away from being bankrupt. So I came home that night and I'll never forget this night. It was a long day. I came home, my girlfriend who had just moved in she was just moved in my house and I came home and I said, sweetie, I need your help. I need your help paying the mortgage. I need your help paying the utilities. Sweetie, you're not going to like this. I got to rent that bedroom out to my buddy Pete because I can't make it. It was the first time in a long time that I, I was literally facing those words. I can't make it. And I knew I had a 50, 50 shot. She was either going to walk out the door or she was going to be down for the long haul. Well, I think she kind of liked me. She ended up marrying me. We actually just had our, our newest, our daughter, our, my first daughter, three weeks ago. So she's still in the picture. So she believed in me and we made it through those times, which led me to 2009. I didn't rebound. I didn't like all of a sudden get back on my feet. I was crushed and I was looking for an opportunity. And in 2009, I found it. And it found, I got found it in a, another apartment building. So I bought that building and I started buying buildings all the way up to 2014. I got up to 36 units. You would think, oh my God, you're back. And so did I. But then the dust settled and I brought my 37th unit to the bank and the bank said, nope, we're not giving you another loan. And I said, wait, why? I, I, I paid all my mortgages. They said, yeah, Mr. Noggle, you don't fit in the little square box anymore. Meaning your debt to income ratio is out of whack. You're at 36 units, which is great, but we can't give you the loan. And then they pulled the rug out from underneath me because then what they did, jerks, they pulled the rug out by freezing all my lines of credit. You guys, you should also know that this can happen at any time. It happened in 2009 to a lot of people. They lost all their credits. Their home equity lines got frozen or taken away from them. Well, that's what happened to me in 14. And I had to sell all 36 units. I had to sell my dream house, which me and Larissa had bought. And I was right back to where I was, living paycheck to paycheck. I was over-leveraged and under-knowledged. And that's kind of where the journey began because at that point, I had nothing to lose. And at that point, 
I got a postcard to go to a three-day training and I went to that training. That three-day training was a real estate training teaching you how to flip houses. I know what you're thinking. Dude, don't you ever learn? I wasn't going to learn. I was going to get the free iPod shuffle they were giving away. That's why I went. Truth. And I got there. I met two people. Two of the lead speakers were two guys, Mike and Greg. And these guys were rock stars. One had a TV show. The other was the bank. He was the guy that lent the money. And as I listened to them talk, everything that I had learned about how money worked just literally just went up in smoke because I learned that everything I had been taught, everything I was doing was the complete opposite of what these two guys were doing. And that's the point when I dove in and I started seeking the truth and I started seeking knowledge. I was still a financial advisor, but I learned that everything I was learning over there wasn't what the wealthy did with money. And I started learning that wealthy people all invested in real estate, but they did it very differently than how I'd been taught. And that's kind of brings me to today. Me and my wife operate eight companies. We had a show on HGTV. I, I did the pro snowboarding thing for a long time. And now today, aspiration to be America's number one money mentor, but really that, that, that aspiration, that dream is actually happening. I'm, I'm being called that without asking for it. It's just sometimes when you dream something, you know, Napoleon Hill, think or grow rich, think and grow rich. If you dream it and you believe it, you shall achieve it while well, that's that. And that's what brings me here, man. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I've got a lot of questions. Uh, so let's, let's digress for a moment. Uh, I'm an athlete. So anytime I get to speak to other athletes, I'm curious. I have to ask the question. Uh, so what the hell is it like being a professional snowboarder? I know this is off topic, uh, but oh, you know, I, I like to, I like to get to know you. So number one, uh, what's it like being a professional snowboarder? Like, what does that even mean? Where do you, you do the Olympics? Are you doing like professional, where are professional competitions? One, two, you said you were in Buffalo. So where did you go? Vermont, okay. New Hampshire? Like, where did you go? Great question. So being a professional snowboarder is like living a dream. Literally, it was, I traveled the world on somebody else's budget. I had my own agenda. You know, I had my stores and everything else, but that's all I cared about. We did a lot of filming. So what was it like back when I was a pro snowboarder? It was different than today. X Games were a new thing. We did things like the US Open and USASA. Olympics were just a thing that was being talked about snowboarding was not an Olympic sport. So what was big back then was the most incredible time in snowboarding history was videos. We filmed videos. All the companies I, I rode for, I was one of the video stars, right? I would go out with my crews and our film crews and we'd film video parts for videos that got distributed nationwide. And then how we got, so a professional versus an amateur is very simple. You got a contract that pays you. So that's what makes you a professional. And how we started figuring it out is to make the most amount of money wasn't from your sponsors. It was to go out and get soft drinks. See, that was when Red Bull was getting huge. Monster was getting huge. We very quickly started saying, hey, Let's go after these energy drinks. Let's help them put events on and promote events. And, and that's how we did it. And we got paid good money by that. And we also started learning that if we got um, ads put in magazines with our buddies who were the photographers, we also got paid based on our contracts. So that was what it was. And that dream continued on until I was in my mid-30s and I got taken out of the professional career because I got in a bad I had a bad injury out in Mammoth, or Mammoth, California, where I overshot a jump. And just like that, everything's going good. And one jump, one mistake, it's all over. 
Yeah. And that's, I imagine, that's, it was hard. I imagine that's pretty common in that sport too. I, I, I could see, and I didn't think about that. I, I forgot that you're right. It's, it's a relatively new sport when it comes to the Olympics. So you don't yeah. even think about that. That's fascinating. And that's pretty cool. And, and that's, that's a, that's a testament to who you are that you just had this mental, I mean, we all as kids think, you know, I'm going to be the next Michael Jordan or I'm going to be the next, you know, Albert Pujols or whatever the sport is. Right. And um, I love, I love that you went out and do it, did it. So, Let's, and I stayed in Buffalo, which was the funny thing. All my friends left because you can't do it in Buffalo. I just traveled. And my right. mom was here, and I never wanted to leave her because I was all she had. But, yeah, Vermont, I mean, all over the world. I mean, from Austria to Germany. I mean, I, I traveled everywhere. Where does where does one move to? Like, where is the pop? Like, you know, if I want to be an actor, I'm moving to Hollywood, right? Yeah. Where does someone move to become a professional snowboarder? Like, where would sure. they go? Back then, it was absolutely Salt Lake City. But today, it would be probably Colorado, Salt Lake City, or California. Right on. Awesome. Yep. Hey, well, that's a little extra tidbit for you guys. I'm sorry if you're not interested in that, but I like to, you know, dive a little bit deeper with some, some personal content here. So, all right, now let's, let's uh, rewind. Now, the one thing I heard you say or, or multiple times was that uh, there was, there was multiple failures along the way, not just one failure and you didn't learn from it, it was multiple failures. And all the while, mind you, you had, financial failure like you made mistakes yet you were the quote-unquote professional right uh, so explain the difference because i'm sure somebody else is thinking this you went uh, it was after 08 and and you you would like did wall street right i mean that's that was kind of your thing so i, I imagine that's more of a stock bond that kind of uh, investing type of thing but then you get into real estate and fail miserably at it what is the differentiator there? And obviously that's going to lead to deeper conversation about investing yep. in real estate, but you know, why would you say one can be an expert at one and fail so miserably at another? It's a fantastic question. And it comes down to the conventional financial knowledge that they want us to have. What has happened to all of us in our lives, myself included, maybe even more so than anything else, even though I was an advisor, I still, and, and it, you guys, if you're just listening, I'm putting on these little rosy colored red glasses they taught us how to wear these rosy colored glasses as advisors. And I did this at a very high level, folks. Look me up. Like I was a, I was a, I'm not gonna say a big shop, but I was pretty high up the ladder in the firms I was at. And they taught us how to be great salesmen. They taught us how to go out there and manage money in a way that made the most amount of money for the firms. Okay. So in doing that, I also started investing my money that way. Now, they didn't, when the markets went down, teach us, get your money out of the market. They didn't teach what people like Warren Buffett teach and that. They basically said, no, just keep doing it because obviously that's how they make money. So when the markets crashed, I crashed and burned too because guess where my money was? In all the conventional places. See, what we are taught our whole lives is to give up control of our money. Think about that. What are we taught to do with money when we get it? Oh, put it in a retirement account, right? Put it in an employer-sponsored retirement plans. Put it in the bank accounts. Buy CDs. Put it in investment accounts. We are physically and literally taught to give up control of our best dollars and let somebody else be in control of it. Then somebody else goes out and makes money on our money. Think about that. When you put money in a 401k or an employer-sponsored plan, who is in control of your money? Right. Is it you or is it the financial company? Because it's not you. Right. It's them. And it, when you put money in the bank, does the bank just put your money in a little box in the back with your name on it? Hell no. The bank loans your money out to other people and then they make money on your money. Now, how much? 400 to 1300% is how much banks make on the deposits that we leave there. And what do they pay us? Well, 
you've got money in a bank, you'll know it's less than 1% right now. That's how much they pay us. And they're making 400 to 1300% more than we are. And if you don't believe that, go to Bauer Financial. I always got somebody saying, nope, they don't make that much. Go to BauerFinancial.com and look it up. That's factual. So in 2018, I was rocking and rolling. I was doing the financial advisory thing, managing and running my own practice. And at that moment, I got an opportunity because my wife and I, since 2014, when we started learning, we started flipping houses and lots of them up to 20. I think at one point we were doing 20 a month. We were doing a lot of flips plus rentals plus wholesale. And at that point, we got, we got a long journey of working toward a TV show. Well, it got approved and our show went. And when that show went as an advisor, I have to notify my broker because that's outside business activity. And my broker said, all right, Mr. Noggle, congratulations, but you have to decide, are you going to be a financial advisor or a TV show star? I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know I had to decide that. So I got this career and now I got to decide about this TV show. I said, okay, see you later. And I sold my practice. And it was that easy of a decision. I sold my practice. I took the rosy colored glasses, folks. I just took the red glasses off. And I actually started seeing the truth, which I already knew. But when you're an advisor, you can't talk about the truth about money because obviously it's, it's well, it's called selling away and there's lots of rules against that. But when I, when I retired, I literally could go out and tell people the truth about what the wealthy do with money and why it's very different than what you've been taught because the wealthy don't give up control of their money. They are absolutely in control of their money and they know, <clears throat> they know something and that is how to move money the way a bank does. You see, you've been taught to believe in compound interest. You've been taught to park your money somewhere and then let that money grow over time and oh God, don't ever touch it because if you touch that money, you break that growth. Don't ever take your money out. Why do you think you're taught that? Could it be because you're taught to give up control of your money? And then you think about your dollars, right? Are your dollars worth more today or in the future? They're worth way more today, right. especially now they just printed $2 trillion. Do you know what that's going to do? It's going gonna, it's gonna to create inflation, which is going to devalue your current money. So your dollars today are worth the most they will ever be worth, just so you know. But we're taught to give those dollars up and let other people make money. And that is the thing I learned. That's where the problem begins. And that's where the problem will only end for some very few people that decide to seek out the knowledge of what the wealthy do with money. And listen, the wealthy have money in real estate, but the wealthy don't just make money on the real estate. They're making money on the real estate, plus their money is making money and earning money because they know how to move their money. Banks move money. That's all they do. There isn't a business in the world that is in the business of parking money. They all move, they all move money. Grocery stores move groceries, car dealerships move cars. You get the drift. They're moving money. But what do we do? Well, we do things with money we would never, ever do with things that money buys. Would you ever buy a loaf of bread, <clears throat> bring it home, put it in your freezer and close the door? Then wait five, 10, or 15 years, come back, open that freezer, take that loaf of bread out, look at it and say, yum, I can't wait to eat that. Heck no, it'd be freezer burned. You wouldn't eat it. Would you buy a car and wait 5, 10, or 15 years to drive the car? Or would you buy your dream house for you and your, your significant other and wait 5, 10, or 15 years to move into that house? You'd be divorced if you did that. But that's what we do with money because that's what we've been taught. And we can go anywhere you want with that part of the conversation because it pretty much just gets better and better from that point. That's fascinating. And, and so 
as you were as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, uh, and you answered the question, uh, which is, you know, once you leave that industry, are you allowed to talk about the secrets? Because I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking like Boiler Room. That's what's coming to yeah, my mind. Exactly. Here. You remember him? You remember yeah. when he like got out? He was like, oh my god, what were we doing? But when he was in it, yeah, man, go go. You know, like cars and parties, and and that's not what my life was like, but you know, snowboarding life was, but not, not, not sure. the financial advisory world, it's but you're absolutely correct. It's, it's interesting because this also makes me think about uh, the, our diets, right? And, and, and I'm not, and I'm not intending to digress here, but you think about it and you watch some of these documentaries like game changers or something like that, that tells you everything you're made to believe is driven by the dairy association or the meat association. You're saying the same thing about money uh, which is fascinating. And nobody will ever really know where the truth actually is. It's up to you to decide what you want to believe. But I think when it comes to money, you're telling us, no, no, what they make you believe is so they can make more money and you need to figure out how to kind of gain back control. Is that essentially what you're saying? You, you nailed it, man. I love the analogy to food with the dairy or meat or anything else. And I'm not here to talk about food, but it is the same freaking thing for everything. You are taught to believe what they want you to believe to make more money for them, where you, in that case, are giving something up, giving your health up, giving up control of your money. That's what we do. And you think you're in control of your money, but you just are not. And that's what the wealthy know that we don't. That's what my entire book is about. Mapping Out the Millionaire Mystery is all about what the wealthy know about money and how they handle money very different. And it's not what you think. You're probably thinking, oh, what do they do? What, you know, what, what is the magic thing? It is so simple, folks. They change one thing. And that one thing they change is where their money goes first. That's how simple it is. It's mm. not as simple once we get into the weeds on it, but that's the biggest change. You need to determine where the money goes first before anything else will ever change in your life. And that's what wealthy people figured out. Started with the Rockefellers. That's where the whole thing started. The Rockefellers started doing this back then because they didn't trust banks. Well, if you trust banks right now, you're, you're kind of foolish right now because if things keep going the direction that they're going, well, first go to the bank and try to take all your money out. Do that little exercise and tell me how that works out. Because if you got more than 10 grand in the bank, you're not going there taking it all out today. They're going to say, oh, well, we can't give you it all today. We can give you 3000 or 5000 today, but come back tomorrow and we'll give you the rest. Wait a second. That's my money and I kind of need it today. Not tomorrow, not next week. And I don't want to fill any of these stupid forms out. Why am I filling forms out to take the money that I gave you to hold on to? And now I got to fill forms out? Oh, and now you're thinking I'm, I'm laundering money? You're in control of your money? Oh, no, you're not. No, you're not. You've been taught to think you are and you're not. And that's where you got to make a change. You got to pay yourself first. And then the biggest thing I show people, okay, that the wealthy know is they know how to recycle and recapture all the money that they're giving away to everybody else. You want to become wealthy? Yeah, real estate will get you to a wealth phase, okay? But after you get real estate, you got to find a place for all that money to go where you can keep recycling and reusing that money over and over again. Well, the other thing that people and the wealthy know is they know how to take back the money that they're giving away. So a lot of people, what they don't realize is you give up 90% of every single dollar you make to everybody else. You pay your credit cards first, you pay your car payments, you pay your mortgages, you pay all your bills and you keep what's left. And you don't even think there's a problem with that. You just think that's how it is. But if you changed one thing and you started first with paying yourself first and you had a place where you could put money where it would give you access to that money, but yet still pay you interest on that money, even when you take that money out of the account, Okay, and I'll get a little bit more into that. But if you had a place where you could put money 
and that place would pay you interest. Let's just say a guaranteed 4% because that's a real number. They pay you 4%, but then you can go back in and you can take that money out and then you can pay your visa, you can pay your car payment, you could pay your mortgage, you could pay all your bills hypothetically. Now that's not how you'd use it in the beginning, but that's how the wealthy do it. But your money never ever stopped earning interest. It earns 4% even when you take the money out. Now, do you think you've got something that changes? Everything changes because now your money never stops working. And then you take that money and you pay off Visa. Okay, let's just say you got a Visa card and you're paying Visa 100 bucks. What's the interest rate on a Visa card these days? 15%? Probably higher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you pay Visa off and you're giving Visa 100 bucks every month because that's what you were taught to do, but now you don't owe Visa money, would it be a problem that you took that 100 you used to give to Visa and you paid yourself back that money? Instead of giving it to Visa, you put that money in this place that's earning you this guaranteed 4%. Now, what you literally just did is you're not making 4% anymore. You're now making 15 plus the four because you just recycled the money that you used to give away. You can truly build wealth by simply taking back the money that you're giving everybody else. And it, <laughs> I tell people this because it is this simple. It truly is. And I have a video that teaches how this works. And when people see it, the biggest problem I have is it sounds too good to be true. But it's been around for over 200 years. It's been being used by every Fortune 100 and 500 company. Every bank that you've ever walked into uses this and you still don't know how it works because nobody teaches it because it takes back control. And that's not good for Wall Street. That's not good for banks. And I got to sometimes think maybe I better be careful on what I'm teaching people because pretty soon eventually if enough people learn this, I might have a little black SUV show up out in my front yard saying, hey, uh, Chris, love what you're doing, buddy, but shut your mouth before some bad things happen because you're teaching people things that will affect the banks and, and Wall Street. But I'm just, a little, I'm just a little guy now, so no worries on that. Well, and the reality is, is uh, it's just like anything. We teach a lot of things. Uh, there's a lot of experts in the world today. And with Lab Code Agents, we've got a bunch of experts doing really great things, teaching things. And the one thing, the one common thread, and this is a little bit off topic, the one common thread that I find is, is that the, the people with the strategies that work aren't afraid to share them because they know that most people won't apply them just because it's human nature. It's a, Correct. lack of a better term, it's laziness, right? People don't want to change the way they thought. It's like, I believe this my whole life. I'm not going to change the way I think now. It's, it's old habits die hard, right? But you mentioned something there, like you mentioned, and I want, to, I want to ask you about the 15%. You said you're saving 15%, but if I'm the guy that takes that uses a credit card, uh, and I do, uh, to gain airline miles, right? I, I get a lot of free flights per, every year. I never don't pay my balance. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I don't know if I Yeah, so that, you're, you're, you don't apply to what I just said. Okay. You're doing that the right way, okay? And, and that's what I would tell people. I'd say never stop using the credit card, but let's have a method and a way to pay that credit card off every single month. And, you know, then basically just recycle and recapture whatever money you used to have to give away. But you're not doing it that way. You're paying it off. So the only thing that would change for you is just where your money's going first. Are you making a guaranteed 4%? No. Right. So that would be the change for you. But there's a lot more to that 4%. I don't have time to get deep into it. I wish I did. But, you know, there's just so much to this, which is why I'm going to give my book away for free, Mapping Out the Millionaire Mystery. It teaches exactly how to do that. But this strategy that's been used by all these people, this is what I learned, you know, at that three day. I didn't learn it at the three day, but I learned it at a cheesecake factory in Salt Lake City on a snowboard trip when I, when I was with Mike. I learned what he was doing with money and how he was lending me money on my real estate deals because he was one of my big lenders. And when he told me, being an advisor, I literally said to him, I said, Mike, Mike, listen, I'm an advisor, man. And what you just said, it doesn't work that way. 
It doesn't. There's, there's no way that works. There's no way that vehicle works the way you just explained it. And he looked at me straight eyed and he had this little grin and he says, Chris, if it doesn't work that way, then explain how I've been doing that for the last three years. Please explain why I've been doing what I just told you for three years and it's worked exactly how I just explained. And I said, dude, man, who's the one that told you about this? So he turned me on to his guy that helped him. And I, I, he, that person became my mentor and it's how I learned it. And when I learned it, unlike when other people learn it, it was very difficult for me because it was something that was right under my nose the entire time. It was something as an advisor, I knew that banks did this. I knew how they did it. I just didn't know how it worked. And I just, I felt like the biggest idiot because nobody in the firms I worked for had ever told me that this vehicle could be used that way. And I was so mad that all I could think about is I got to share this to everybody. So I started having that guy, Brent, come out and, and I have a RIA that we do here. I had him start explaining this and changing people's lives. And I watched this happen for years of him changing people's lives by doing this. And I'm just like, dude, this is, this is just insane. I need to start doing this. So that's when I began that journey of start teaching people this, this method amongst many other methods like he was. Awesome. So, so let's, let's go a little bit into it. I'd like to give our listeners a a little taste. So I'm curious, I mentioned the credit card piece, but like you said, I think the thing that resonates with me is that when you get said paycheck uh, and maybe this is what we're taught, but you're taught to get the paycheck, pay your bills first uh, but but make sure you're set up. That's a principle that nobody really applies or very few apply, which is you get said paycheck and you allocate X percent to bills and you always make sure you allocate X percent to yourself and X percent to savings, right? Mm-hmm. But it's always in that order, bills, savings, self, right? And you're saying throw that, throw that self, method out there. Self, self is saving, so self and then bills and then you know, all the other stuff. So if you just pay yourself, you've heard it all before, pay yourself first, but we don't apply that. We don't right. pay ourselves first. And everybody thinks, oh, pay yourself first means when you have a business, you pay yourself first. No, 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 no. General, pay yourself first. But most people don't think of it as pay myself first. And then when I put that money in this different vehicle, then pay everybody else after. And that's what we do. And that's how we do it. And because of that, we literally participate in one of the most powerful financial things in the world. And that is called uninterrupted compound interest. And this is what Albert Einstein called the eighth wonder. It allows you to put money into a vehicle, one of the only vehicles on earth that can do this. And we'll talk about that vehicle in a moment where you put that money in there and then you can take that money back out and never stop earning money never stop earning uninterrupted compound interest on that money. But you, you know, that sounds too good to be true. So we're going to have to dive, we're going to have to dive into that. So do you want me to just go? Let's go. How much? All right. So we got like another 10 minutes. I'm going to yep, do this quick. Good. All I want you to know folks is I'm just going to hit the high level stuff. And if you want to learn more, I have a video I'll give you and I'll give you my book for free and you can read it and it will teach you everything you need to know about this. Okay. So what this vehicle is that I'm talking about is what the Rockefellers figured out. And that was why would we use banks when banks participate in fractional lending? What is the strongest financial institution in the world where we can put our money? And do you know what it is? Mutually owned, ginormous insurance companies. That's what it is. It's where the wealthy put their money. But you don't know how to put your money into these, these insurance companies because all you're used to doing is paying them, right? Paying them premiums, putting your money into them. And in that's what you know. Well, what we have figured out is how to put money into these insurance companies' general accounts and return the, get the returns guaranteed by the insurance company at a rate of 4%. 
Sound good so far? Well, because they're mutually owned insurance companies, they don't just pay us a guaranteed return. They also pay us a dividend because they don't have stockholders. So why not allow us to participate in their dividend? And they do. So like the companies we use, we're getting north of 6% on our money, 4% of it's guaranteed. But then you got it, you're probably thinking, okay, okay, Chris, how do I get my money into the insurance company? This is where I tell people something, but then they all of a sudden, like they think they know what they don't know. So let me start with a quote and then I'll tell you what this is. Will Rod said the most profound thing, like you said, Warren Buffett, but Will Rogers said this. He said, the biggest problem in America is not what people don't know. The biggest problem in America is what people think they know that just ain't so. The vehicle that I'm talking about at mutually owned insurance companies is nothing more than a specially designed whole life insurance policy from a mutually owned company that pays dividends. But right off the bat, immediately, you're thinking, oh my God, Chris, what the heck does a, a whole life insurance policy have to do with me building wealth? Well, if that's your attitude, well, stay with that attitude. And the answer is it has everything to do with your building your, or you building your wealth, but you don't know how to use the whole life. Because when I say whole life, what do you think? You think death benefit. You think of when I die, I get money. You think of uh, Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman saying this is the worst investment you can put your money into, which I agree. It is, but I'm not talking about a regular whole life. I'm not talking about a whole life off the shelf that you would buy to protect your family. I'm talking about using a whole life as a gateway into the insurance company's general account. This is what the Rockefellers found out, but it's not for death benefit. There is a death benefit, but it's not what we do it for. We flip it upside down and it gives us the ability to do a couple things. First, we get access to the insurance company's general account returns. That's what we first get access to. Second off, we participate in their dividends because it's right in their contracts, okay? Third, we put money into the vehicle and that money continues to earn interest. And when we wanna take our money out, and this is immediately, if I deposit money into this plan that I'm talking about, this is where you're gonna know this isn't normal. I put my money into this vehicle. I immediately, as soon as my check clears or immediately in the first 30 days can take my money back out. Not all of it in the first year. I can't take all of it out in the first year, but I can take a large chunk of it out in the first year. But when I take money out, this is, this is where it really gets exciting. I'm not taking my money. You see, the insurance company has so much money in their general account that they're happy to lend that money to me. They're happy to just give me the money from their general account. I don't need an application. I don't need to ask. I don't need to fill out a credit report or anything like that. I, my money's at the insurance company. So the insurance company says, no problem. We'll just give you money. Here you go. You click a button 36 hours later, it's in your account. If you need it quicker, you hit wire, spend 25 bucks and wire it to your account. But here's the thing. When you think about someone lending you money or a company lending you money, you immediately, because this is what you've been taught, think that I have to pay that money back. What if the insurance company never cared if you paid that money back? Now, you have a way to take money from the insurance company's general account up to the amount that you have in your account. Your money stays in the account earning a guaranteed 4% plus dividend, north of 6% as of 2020 right now. You're making uninterrupted compound interest. Nothing's going to stop the growth of that money. So wait, But you're so, using so, all your money. So let's just say I put 10 grand in, right? Just, yep. Mm -hmm. Just for argument's sake. And I need to take seven of that 10 because I need it for no whatever, right? Yep. My 10 stays untouched. Even though that's that's my money, they're yep. giving me seven of theirs. Okay, right. go on. Well, hold on. Let's go with that. Now, based on what you just said, how much money do you think you're earning interest on right now? You started with 10. You took seven out. How much money are you earning interest on? Three, right? Wrong. 10. Correct. 
Okay. Your money never left the account, but everybody would have said, well, you did three because they'd do 10 minus seven. They'd be like three, that's your bank account. Insurance companies don't play that way. They pay you interest and not all of them, only certain ones, interest on the full amount that's in there. Now, remember I talked about the loans not having to be paid back. Now, the way I use mine is I pay my loans back because I, I treat my money the same way I would treat the banks. I pay myself back with interest. But if you never paid that loan back, the insurance company will never ask you for it because what you forgot already probably is that the insurance company promised to pay a death benefit the day you graduate. Nice way of saying the day you die. When you graduate and that death benefit's paid to your beneficiaries, the insurance company is going to true up the money you never paid them back. They're just going to subtract the loan from the death benefit. So really all you did is you just leveraged your death benefit. Took it away You're from not, your heirs? Well, I mean- I told you that we're not doing this for death benefit. If you want to pay, get money for your heirs, for your kids, buy term insurance. That's great insurance to cover them. We're using this for banking. And that's what this is, a banking strategy. Yeah, great, great observation though. <laughs> so I literally hit the surface. There's a million questions that will come out of that, which is exactly kind of what happens because there's more to this. But it is that simple of what you just said, that demonstration you gave. That's fascinating. Now, one more question on that is, what is the limit on how much you can take before the insurance company says, no, 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 no more? How like, in other words, I, I, pull, I put 10 in, I take seven, never pay it back. A year from now, I'm like, ah, I need another seven. Well, if you only started with 10, it'd be 10 plus whatever you earned in interest and dividends that you can take out. You can never take out more than what you've put in. But let's just say every year you're putting 10 in. Well, every single year you can take out you know, whatever you put in uh, eventually, and usually it takes three years to hit that break even point where what you put in total is the amount you can total take out. But every year you're taking money out. Okay. You use 7,000. It can be anywhere from 7,000 to 9,000. You can take the very first year. Second year, if you put in 10, it could be as much as 9,700 that you're taking out. You get the drift. So third year you put in 10, you're probably taking out more than 10. It, actually not even probably the plan I just did taking more than what I put in and then uninterrupted compound interest kicks in, but you're going to give up a little something in the first couple of years to have something pay you for the rest of your life. Think of this like a vending machine in your garage. I want you to visualize something with me. Imagine you've got a vending machine in your garage and you go out to your vending machine in the morning, you put a dollar bill in your vending machine and your vending machine then spits the dollar bill back out. You're like, shoot, it's broken. But then all of a sudden drops down a cup and it fills with coffee. You're like, sweet, I got my coffee and my dollar back. But then you hear ching, ching, you hear the change drawer go off and you're like, wait a second, I got my dollar back, I got my coffee and I got some change? Okay, sweet. The next morning, what are you going to do? First thing you're going to do, bright and bushy eyed, you're going to walk out to your vending machine. You're going to put that dollar in. Could it do it again? And it's going to spit your dollar out. It's going to give you your coffee. And then you're going to hear that little change door drop some more change than it did the day before. Every day you go out and you do this, but every day it dishes out more change. Folks, what I just described is exactly what I just told you the wealthy do. Every single day, it can't be anything else because it's math. Uninterrupted compound interest kicks out more change. And every single day, your coffee, that's you getting your money back. You want your money, you get your coffee. Now, the first couple of years, maybe you don't get a full cup of coffee. You know, first year, you get like three quarters. Second year, you get almost a full cup, but you know, it's not going to spill. Third year, that sucker's full, man. You better take a sip before you put any cream or soy in there. You get the drift. This is that vending machine. And I'm telling you, I'm not the only one that knows about this. I didn't invent this. It's been around for hundreds of years. I just figured it out and I figured out how to use it for real estate. 
It's fascinating. That's fascinating. I, I feel like we should be able to, we should be, we should continue this conversation for hours. I well, imagine. Let's do round two, man. <laughs> we could do round two. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, because we're, we're running uh, yes. short on time, let's do this. Let's give our viewers the opportunity to a, where can they find you? If they want to learn more, if they want to, they want to follow you, if they want to connect with you, that's number one. Number two, you mentioned giving away a book. Mm-hmm. How can they get it? All right. So if they want to find me, just go to Chris Nagel. It's N-A-U-G-L-E dot com, my website. If you want access to me, social media is the best. Just search Chris Nagel or on Instagram, Chris underscore Nagel. I'm all over it. Uh, let me give you guys the video. I'll give you the link for the video that will teach you exactly how this system works. It is moneyschool, R-E-I dot com slash masterclass hyphen replay. Moneyschoolrei.com forward slash masterclass hyphen replay. It will send you the video. It's 90 minutes and it will teach you exactly how this works. No sales. Okay. There's no sales in this video, just teaching you. But then some of you want the book and I want to give you the book. Mapping out the millionaire mystery, step into the secrets of the wealthy. You want this book? It's moneyschoolrei.com slash new book, all one. Okay. No spaces. Moneyschoolrei.com slash new book. And let me give you a bonus. I wrote this book too. I literally wrote the book on private money. Let me give this to your audience for free. All you guys do is pay the shipping. I'll give you the book free. This one, same thing, moneyschoolrei.com forward slash book. So you can either do book or new book or both. both. And you know what? If if one person does both books, I'll see your name show up and just just pay shipping once. Okay, don't pay it twice because I'll ship them both in the same thing. Awesome. Awesome. And, and repeat the first one again. It was money school dot, yep. or money school, rei.com dot forward com slash masterclass. masterclass hyphen replay. Got it. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. This has been great. There's two books you can get here. Pay a shipping once. This is great. Uh, Chris, I do think we should probably continue this conversation. So maybe we should reschedule or, or schedule another uh, I'd love that. And, let, and we can just deeper. get right into it. Yeah. And uh, I, I would love that. And I can teach them just now that we got over the stuff. They know who I am. Then we'll get right down to the meat and potatoes on how I use this. Yeah. For those of you that are pissed at me for talking about snowboarding for five minutes, I apologize. <laughs> but that's just, <laughs> Sorry, that's just how we like to do it. <laughs> it was fun. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being on today. This has been fantastic. Fantastic. So again, it's Chris Noggle, N-A-U-G-L-E.com is the website. I think you've got the money school, REI.com options. You should have all written that down. If you didn't rewind, you can listen to it again. Uh, This has been great, Chris. This is uh, eye-opening, I think, for everyone. I just challenged people to go (laughs) potentially go learn about how they eat and you challenged them (laughs) about how how they should invest their money. Uh, And buy real estate with this. This system works really well for buying real estate. It's, it makes all the sense in the world for doing really anything with money, but real estate is obviously the vehicle we're talking about. So uh, awesome. I, lo- I, I really appreciate your time today. This has been great. And um, I look forward to talking to you a second time. Absolutely. Thank you. And I was honored to be on your show. Awesome. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. Today's podcast is brought to you by Follow a Boss. Follow a Boss is the real estate CRM that turns every agent into a top performer. Follow a Boss is packed with features, but it's intuitive and easy to use. So agents love working with it and it integrates with everything. Use multiple lead sources. Guess what? Follow a Boss keeps them all organized. Want to try new marketing channels? Switch website providers? Plug them right into Follow Up Boss. Visit followupboss.com 
forward slash lab coat to see how Follow Up Boss helps you close more deals. That's followupboss.com forward slash lab coat. Lab Coat Agents Podcasts.